Welcome back to Thinking About It. I'm Bob McGregor, Grandview Baptist Church here in Kitchener, and I'm here with... Stan Fowler, Grandview Church and Heritage College and Seminary. Which is kind of nice because we're talking about heritage indirectly in other uh, seminaries. We are. And uh, we pick it up from last time on the subject of uh, training for ministry. Uh, How does a young person think about that? And typically... Some, sometimes it's no different than training for a profession. I'm going to get a degree, and I'm going to be in the work of the ministry by virtue of my certificate on the wall. But we don't think that's the way to go, right, Stan? Well, it's, not, it's certainly not the final answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I have a strong investment in formal theological education going back for 40 years teaching, not to mention my previous years as a student. But but to say it's the final answer and the only answer, I think, is, is to miss the point. Um, now, I value what happens in the theological school. Uh, there's a lot of good that happens there. I think I've been involved in helping a lot mm-hmm. of good to happen there over the years. But But there are many challenges in thinking about that as the sort of the heart of equipping people for ministry today in our time and place. Um, I don't think I'll get myself in trouble for articulating these. I'm, I'm only Professor Emeritus now. I'm not there every day. But, but, but there are things like the, um, over the last several years, over the last 10 or 20 years, it's become the case that it, the in our circles, the, the typical person who senses a vocation for pastoral ministry is a person in midlife. A few years back, when I was seminary dean, I remember the year when the average age of our seminary students was 42. Hmm. So the, the seminary student, who's, who's a man with a wife and three kids, became much more the norm. Than, than the exceptional okay, Let me case. just at, deep drill down on that. Would you say that those those men, those, those people um, are in ministry, but they're upgrading, or are they people who are leaving another vocation to enter into the ministry? Can you think well, both, about Both were there, but I'm thinking about the significant number of those who, who left some other kind of career right. in order to move toward pastoral ministry. And they, and they did that in midlife. They weren't... Maybe back in the day for me, the classic seminary student was someone who had just finished university and was now into seminary. That's the way it was for me. I finished my undergraduate degree in mathematics, one, graduated one weekend, got married the next weekend, and three months later, uh, I was starting seminary. Now, I, was, I was the typical seminary student, but that is no longer the typical seminary student. So you have the challenge of educating people who, who are midlife, and therefore for them, midlife with a family, relocation to go to a school, a campus-based school, becomes much more problematic. Why is that a problem now? Why is that a problem? Well, you're uprooting a family. Um, if the man's married, his wife probably needs to work while, while he, if he's going to be studying even part-time in seminary. Um, she has to find a new job. The kids have to be relocated. It's just, it, it's, it's a hassle in, in many ways. And, and then there's the problem of the cost. 
I mean, it's not cheap to provide a campus-based theological school. You have the cost of the campus. You have the cost of the faculty. And, I mean, I was, you know, I was a cost to the school. So what is the student? I realize that there are um, individuals and trusts who pick up a lot of the, some of the costs, but what is, it, what is tuition now? Well, last time I checked, if, if you were a, let's say you were a traditional full-time student um, at Heritage Seminary taking five courses per semester, ten courses per year, let's say, to do an MDiv in three years, um, you'd be spending um, about 10000 a year in tuition alone. Now, you have to add to that cost of books, the cost of, of housing, basic cost of living. So about 10000 tuition. Now, if you go to an American seminary, the cost is probably a lot higher. And, and people often don't, don't realize that. So it's a significant cost, and that becomes even more significant if we're talking about um, MDiv level seminary education for people who've done an undergraduate degree and who, who may very well have continuing educational loans that they have to pay off. Mm-hmm. It just becomes really difficult. Plus, if they're full-time, it's lost income. They're not working. That's right. It's lost income. Or at least not full-time. Beyond that, I, I think one of the things I've experienced over the years, too, in the formal academy, that kind of formal uh, theological education, are accreditation issues. Now, there's a good reason for, for accrediting bodies to exist, to call schools to account, to make them think about what they're doing and, and assess what they're doing and whether they're achieving what they exist to achieve. But the accreditation issues sometimes keep the school from being nimble enough to make necessary changes mm-hmm. uh, to do the education well. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people have to think about new ways to do theological education. And so it it really increases our interest in in thinking about what you and I were talking about in our last conversation, and that is the extent to which we may be able to do a lot of the same thing in a church-based form. Mm -hmm. Now, there are challenges for for doing that. We, We know that. But... This, but but there's, all, there's something about the currency of a degree uh, that draws uh, a student to make that kind of sacrifice. Uh, it, it's, it is a currency. You have it. It, it adds to your stock. Um, but can we, can we get it? Is, is that carnal to think that way? Can we not just purely think, I just want to be um, an excellent expositor of God's word. I don't care if I have a degree uh, will churches even consider a person who has the goods but doesn't have the degree? Some churches will. And, I mean, you and I both know of some churches that have. And and they have taken someone typically from within the church already mm-hmm. who's proven himself in ministry. Mm-hmm. And, and they've moved him into full-time ministry. Now, sometimes they've done that with the understanding that he had to continue Right. his formal education along with that. I mean, I, I've had, over the last five or six years, I've had a, an outstanding student whom I've taught who's in that very category. I mean, he, he, he was named the lead pastor in a multiple staff church. 
Now, they had seen him, him at in, in ministry within the church already. I mean, he, he was one of the best adult Sunday school teachers the world has ever seen, probably. And a very bright guy, mm-hmm. very gifted, very diligent, very organized, uh, highly skilled. I think I've heard of this person. Yeah, probably have. Yeah, you served not too far right. away from him mm-hmm. uh, for for several years, so it so it can be done. And, and we both know historically certain people, Charles Haddon Spurgeon, Prince of Preachers in nineteenth century London. No formal theological education, but but I have sometimes said to people who who thought maybe you know they they could do it the same way. Check your birth certificate and see what name is on it. I mean, does it say Charles Haddon Spurgeon? And if it doesn't, you may need to think carefully about it. And and although although he didn't have a, a degree, he was an avid student, self-taught, mm-hmm. and 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 he was well, he was a genius probably in in many ways. And so someone like that is is very is unique. And and so we can't say, well, everybody's going to do it the same way. But it is a reminder that, and it's, and, and I've I've said to students for years, look, I think we we often sell short the lay people in our church, and, and we we think they're not ready to think about serious theological and practical mm-hmm. questions. They're very much ready to think about it. And and they can well, learn. Well, they're engineers. Some of they them are, are doctors, and they they get dumbed down when they come to church sometimes. Yeah, and it's and it's not right that we do that to them. They are ready to think about it. I've I've had this experience over the years. Uh, let's say doing a theological kind of workshop at a denominational annual convention, mm-hmm. and the denominational leader is saying, "Well, you know, we're not sure how many people will really be interested in that." And and I end up with people standing around the wall yeah, and sitting in the hallway. Mm-hmm. The people are ready to think. So that's why we say we're thinking about it here. So there are ways to do it. And and I've noticed recently some of the major evangelical publishers with with their academic publications, with their textbook-type publications, are now providing uh, video lecture series there, there are ways to make it happen in non-traditional ways. So much as I value what happens in the school, and, and much as I think we, we do still need to in some way have a context for uh, those of us like me who have tried to serve as scholars in service of the church. Mm-hmm. And, and a seminary setting is where they exist, but it may not be the only place they can exist. We Maybe they need to be theologians and residents at various churches, and 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 those churches may may make them available for educating people on a wider level in other churches. Wait a minute. Are you talking about, let's say, in a geographic area, young people, or? not, who are thinking about the ministry, a cohort, they want to be trained theologically, that a network of churches could collaborate outside of the seminary proper and bring in um, theologians and residents or even seminary professors to work with this cohort and and train them 
not formally, but informally, uh, to the level where many of them would be competent to be hired in our churches. Is that? Sure. I, I don't see why we shouldn't consider that radical possibility. There are, I'm, I think I've told you before, much as I value what we do in this seminary, um, and, and I want us to think very carefully about other modes, I don't think theological education is going to continue on as it has been forever. I, I'm, I mean, already changes are happening. Mm-hmm. And, and, and even this year, we, we are certainly, the, mm-hmm. thanks to the pandemic mm-hmm. and lockdowns, becoming accustomed to doing education for people at a distance. So I'll be teaching my one seminary course this fall, but I'll be teaching yeah. it live online. I want to tune in on that. And, and people, you know, student can be anywhere with internet access and be a part of that cohort, be a part of that learning experience. So mm-hmm. we're, we've got to think about, about new ways to okay. do can it. Can you imagine something like this? Um, not a seminary, but a resource center. Because we need a library. There needs to be a brain trust, sure. uh, maybe some kind of faculty or what people who are in, in the orbit of this resource center so that churches uh, who cooperate with this resource center could um, host seminars or um, clinics. Um, so it's not we're not thinking so much of a degree now, but we're thinking of a learning institution where there's always some leadership development that's being offered, but it's driven by the churches and it never ends. It's just an ongoing learning piece, and there's no degree. Uh, the The currency is competency. So if you've got people in this learning movement, and you know who they are. They rise to the top. They get noticed. Their portfolio uh, is uh, fat and impressive, and this might be a way, another way, and, and maybe the way of the future for uh, young men to be trained. They're They're based in the local church, not the seminary. It's the local church, but the local church is working with this, uh, with this faculty, this resource pool, many of whom would be embedded in churches anyway. Right. I, I think we need to think creatively. We need to involve uh, th- those who are theological educators now, pastors, denominational leaders, to ask, look, in our time and place, uh, looking forward, how can we best do this? I, I, I'll never forget a, a prof of mine years ago once said, look, we should just give everyone a PhD right up front and then get on with learning. Because it's learning and yeah. developing and growing uh, knowledge, skill, character. Never so, let school get in the way of a good education. Right. It's all those things that count. Um, and sometimes, sometimes the fascination with the degree is unfortunate. Mm-hmm. In fact, one of the things I've noticed and I've told other people this, it's conservative evangelicals who I think have an insecurity complex who have a fascination with degree labels and, and making sure we call doctor so-and-so doctor so-and-so. When I, when I studied at the Toronto School of Theology where they're mostly liberal, they were, they were Dan and John and George, no, nobody called each other doctor so-and-so. Mm-hmm. 
conservative evangelicals are the ones who have a fascination with it. It reminds me of, a, of an article years ago in a magazine called Dr. Tweedledum, DDD. <laughs> and, and it's just, we, we need to recognize, I mean, I mean, I have three degrees, um, and I'm grateful for the education, but a degree label is not what it's all about. It's, it's about knowledge and character and competence for ministry. Mm-hmm. And there are multiple ways to to do that, and we need to think creatively about there it. There really are, and we might be digging ourselves into a well, a new way of doing training, or at least an alternative way. I think we've got a wonderful opportunity that's been presented to us providentially in, in COVID to really think about that. And what pastor wouldn't delight to have a group of serious thinkers that read some of the great... Um, works and to just uh, raise the bar. I think uh, the time has come for that. Anyway, speaking of time, we're out of it. <laughs> we're out of it. <laughs> uh, thanks for thinking with us. And if you're out there and you're in ministry and you want to carry on this conversation, give Stan a call. There you go. You can, <laughs> or or myself. And uh, nothing. I love talking about this. Maybe get a round table and seeing if there are others that can think off air about this subject. Thanks for listening in to us. I'm Bob McGregor with Thinking About It. I'm Stan Fowler. Keep on thinking. God bless you. Bye-bye.